Let's look at how this works in real time with a real ministry, your ministry, Happy Valley Fellowship. Let's see how this works. So what are the issues, for example? You say, okay, well, like what would be some issues? Well, we got one biggie right here, 10 to 15%, right? That's about big as it gets. But, but let's just look at this. Let's just take one little segment of the ministry, one, one little segment right here, very critical, important segment, but one little segment of the ministry, and just let's look at some, some key indicators from this or from some potential issues from just this one little part, not all the other stuff, not all the other stuff that's represented by this thing or, or the funnels over here, but let's just look at a few things. Okay, first of all, how many people darken the door? That's a fact we ought to know, and I think you do. You, uh, one thing I do know you know is what's the offering because that's how you're going to get paid and we're how we're going to keep working here. You know, so you do look at that. That's a key indicator that you go right to, boom, and good. You need to do that. It's an important key indicator. But how many people are coming to the door? You probably know that every time it's open. So we can make judgments about when to have service and how, where, where are we effective and what's not. Work. Simple stuff, right? But you, you probably know that one, how many people come to the door, unless the ushers count differently, remember? You know, instead of one, two, three, they, or they send it to the cleaners. So, you know, we got to have this information, but that's kind of a no-brainer. But then, like, how many people that, come, that darken the door once come back a second time? How many? How many came back a second time? How many of them that came back a second time came back a third time? I'm just going to give you a few here. I, I don't want to overdo it. But number three, I mean, third time. Second time, then how many, how many didn't come back? How many did come back? I mean, once we know how many did come back, we would know how many are missing. Then maybe you have an orientation or meet the pastor or some kind of a thing where we get to show and tell and tell them, make a first-time impression and tell them what we want to do for them. Since they're here looking and they're needy, we need to be telling something somewhere along the line here. And so whatever meeting that is or opportunity that is for you, how many come to that? And then how many make it into membership class? And I don't know how many you have, and I'm not here. You, you have as many as God tells you to have. Well, let's just say you have four, okay? So... 100 people darken the door here, and you're now looking, well, how many make it to membership class? 30, okay? Now, we already have on the table here the 10 to 15%, okay? So that's, that's an issue. That's a fact that's on the table. That's an issue. That's something that needs addressing. We need to turn that into an opportunity. But then you're looking at this. 100 people show up, and 30 make it to membership class. So we've got a 100 over 30, and now that's on the table. Just one little area of the ministry. 130 is on, and you, when you see that on the table, the first question that you're going to ask it, right, is what? What on earth are we doing to get them in the class? We're desperate for people here. We need people like crazy. We can't get much done. We, we're so short on people, and we can't get them in the, what, what's going on here? And then, <laughs> then the next week, there's, 17 there. Well, that's a really exciting class. Almost half the people are gone in one week. And what's your question going to be there when you're looking at that fact? Well, who on, what are they doing in that class? Who's teaching that thing? That's, what's going on? And then this arrow here says, oh, remember, Pastor, 
you delegated it to uh, Pastor Joe. And Pastor Joe got sick of doing it, and, and uh, he, he delegated to the couple that moved to Iowa. And there's some couple in there now. We're not sure who. I don't think they've been through the class. And they're, t <laughs> and, 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 and they're, te they're teaching it. I'm not making this up. I don't need to. I, I, that could be a book right there. Yeah. But th that's, these are the things you find out when you start scratching and sniffing for the facts. You don't have to go down into the bowels of the ministry and scratch and sniff. You just got to ask the right questions right here at the table and get the right information in front of you. Get the facts. Okay, then next. Huh. Nine people complete the class. So we're just 1% lower than the low end of the national average. They qualified to serve now. If that's the criteria that you have, they've completed membership or whatever you call it, but now they're qualified to help us build the ministry. They, they're coming out of the pipeline here. Some pipeline, nine out of 100 people complete it. Not a whole lot of productivity there. And these, everything I'm putting on the table here, these are gaps that you're unaware of right now, most of them. So... Nine people, and then, then they need to get into service, right? That's the objective, isn't it? Prepare them for, everybody's to be a minister, so we're preparing them for service. Now they're supposed to get in service. Six people make it to service. Three escaped. <laughs> now, what are all these? What are all these? These are facts. These are key indicators, the facts over there. So the, these, are, these are quantifiable facts. Now we need qualifiable facts from the common sense that's on our team, and we've got to massage this and find out what on earth is contributing to these things. But, but look, this, this is a casualty or a bunch of casualties right here. Here's some more casualties, more and more and more, and even some over here. And I just picked a few things, a half a dozen here, that all of these should be on the, ta on the table. Then third, nine out of 30, and then six out of nine, and, and it just keeps building and building. And this is just one little area of the ministry. And what are these X's here? These are sheep that went over the wall. They're sheep that are missing. What are we supposed to be doing? Getting the lost sheep, right? Well, now we've identified that they're lost. I mean, how does the shepherd know that the sheep are lost? He has to count the ones he has left. You have to count. We count the ones we have left. We know they're, so we, we have to count all these things and what I have even put up here. And you'll, you'll develop more and more over time. But you're going to have to prioritize this because you can see you can't do all this at one time. Now, if you, ha if you have, you certainly can't do it all at one time if you just have five people helping you and a couple people down here that are trained. And no, we can't deal with all of that at one time. But in years to come, when God keeps pouring more on, more mandates, more sophistication, more complexity, more interdependency between departments, then we're going to have people down here. This, multiply this times five across here with all, simultaneously they're dealing with all that stuff at the same time. Not you. You're not dealing with it at all except to direct it and to approve it and coach for change. Are you getting this? These are sheep that went over the wall. 
And this isn't being, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're telling the, you know, the greeters to stop saying it's hot and do something to build a relationship here. Introduce them to, you see a family come in with kids, then find somebody that loves the church because the family's been blessed and introduce, do something. Let's have a plan. But you need a plan, not a one or two good ideas, a plan for every single one of just these right here, everything that's on the table. We have to have a plan. You mobilize people. That means you mobilize them to develop a plan. You need a plan. That's why we're going to learn how to plan next. But you have to have a plan or nothing happens. Now, you can't work on all these things at one time. You can't do all these things at one time. So you're going to have to prioritize. And you're going to talk. You're, what are you going to do? Go home in your lazy boy and say, this is what I'm going to tell them our priorities are. Are you going to do that after this much training? Or are you going to ask them the question, what do you think are the highest priorities, guys? And you're going to see how they think. You're going to see some guy he may need some coaching, you know, he isn't getting it. He's still working on the f- dusting the FICA tree. So we, you know, when he sees all this, this is how you get the minutiae out of the meeting, because this stuff is enough to choke a horse right here. But, but we've, we've got to now figure out how we're going to do all this, so we have to prioritize. You must identify what at least the top five macro priorities are for the ministry and you'll do that when you go to the mountain with God but then you're always going to be in a position as you direct the ministry forward to be looking at what are the top five umbrella priorities that we need to deal with right here so we have to determine what are these priorities what are we going to work on first and how do you determine priorities well you could say and we should say prayer is the number one priority right we cover everything in prayer Everybody works in priorities. This is a total involvement process. We don't just have five at the top and everybody else does whatever they want. We've got to have five priorities for, the, for each player on your team. And we kind of covered that yesterday when we talked about generalists. When we talked about generalists, you know, and God keeps adding more and we have to have people that can handle more. But everybody, ha- they may have more things to do. There'll be many more than five things to lead as, the, as the, you develop them, as you develop their core competencies. But every one of them here has five. You, there's five macros, so some of these are down here. And we usually try to spread them out, but it doesn't always work that way. It could be one each or of these five, and then four more for their particular area of influence. Or it could be two here and one here. This guy doesn't happen to have any this, this season. And one and one. Okay, you have to figure that out. But everybody here is working. Then, look, let, then let's go down line here. Now, these, here's Aaron's team. And they're all, they all have five priorities. They know exactly what the five things are that you approved. They came, they came to you, or at least sometime over, over time, they're going to come to you and say, these are our top five priorities. This is what we believe we need to do this year for God. And you're going to approve them. You're going to approve their plans. They're coming to you with the strategic plans for their area. They're telling you what are their top five priorities. And then they're gonna, you're going to obtain evaluation on how they're achieving them. And you're going to be looking for the gaps. So are we? Are we getting them done? Are we, are we wandering around here? That's what you do in the meeting. So there's five and then it goes deeper, it goes down here. 
like I just illustrated over there. If this is children's ministry, here's nursery, toddlers, kids this, kids that, and they each have five. Five things for the nursery. Five things for a toddler. Five. You getting it? Everybody has priorities. So that's how we hold each other accountable, and that's how we know exactly what we're doing here. Otherwise, we're just playing games. We're just circling the drain. So we work in priorities. Now, what are the two key things for a meeting? What are the two most important things? Frequency and quality. Frequency and quality. Frequency and quality are the two most important things. Now, if you, if you have a staff, like some of the gentlemen that you heard give testimony, they didn't have a full complement of staff at the beginning. Some of them may have. Some of them did not, I know. And, they, and maybe they had some staff full-time, and then they had some part-time, and then they had some volunteers. But if you have everybody that's on staff here, then obviously you can have frequent meetings. You don't need any more than one a week if you don't do it right. If, but you, if you have volunteers, and they're all volunteers, then you can't meet every week. You may not even be able to meet every two weeks, although that would be optimum. But you can't meet once a month. I mean, you have to reintroduce yourself. You can even remember what we're doing here. So that, that's not enough. Three, every three weeks, if you do the math, is a lot better than once a month over the course of a year. Only you would know what, the, what your people can, we're not into abuse. We're trying to build a ministry, but we're not doing, abusing people in the process. But the more teams you build, the faster you build them, then the more you're going to get accomplished and the less abuse and the less pressure on, every, on everybody. So get started on it as quickly as you can. But frequency is important. But you could meet, meet every day, and if you haven't designed the meeting effectively, if you haven't architected the meeting effectively, if you haven't taken time to think about what do I have to achieve here today, what's the bottom line, what was, must we come out of this meeting with, what's, what much must I convey, then the quality isn't any good and it doesn't matter how many times you meet. So you want, you have to have frequency and quality. They work together. And, and while I'm, well, I'll get to that. Okay, so frequency and quality are critical in, in an effective meeting. Now, the other thing, what's the objective? What should be the objective of every meeting? What would you want the people to come out of the arrows? What do you want them to come out of the meeting with? Every meeting. You want them to come out of the meeting more excited and better equipped to help you build the ministry. And the more excited will come from more involvement. And the way you learn to facilitate the meeting so they can be involved and participate and contribute to something of value. And better prepared is going to be in accordance with the coaching you provide or the coaching eventually that the team provides one another. Okay, so better prepared and more eager to build God's kingdom work. Now there's a few tools for meetings that, let me just hit on those quickly. There are two that are most critical. One, you can omit for a while because you may not have the capability with personnel to, to utilize it. 
but the first one would be your agenda. The agenda for the meeting. You need to have an agenda. And I'm going to give you a prototype agenda. Start with this one. It's a Rin Tin Tin version. It's real simple. You can sophisticate it. You can make it user-friendly over time, more user-friendly over time. But just leave a little space up here at the top, and we'll come back to that. But the first thing that we're going to do in this basic agenda, the starter set agenda here, is have an executive summary. What's that? That's where you're going to have every arrow report in and give you an executive summary. That's how you're going to take the pulse. You're going to in, so if you give each of them three minutes to report in, three times five is 15 minutes. Then you'll defer to the team and say, what did you hear? What did you think? How do you feel about that? You say, oh, oh I can't say anything. You know, because I can't, he, Jane just said something and Phyllis is, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't say what I, I don't, that's terrible. That's not going to work. That, that's going to mess things up big time. And see, you know, Jane and I are buds. And so, you know, I can't, I, I ain't saying nothing to heck with God. I'm not saying what I. So we got to have people that will. Speak forthrightly, honest, honesty again, honesty, on, it keeps coming up, honesty. So what well, we're getting an executive summary here. Now, give them just the shortest amount of time at first. Why? Because you've got to discipline them. They're going to be talking about, they want to talk about the game. and that, What they really want to talk about most of the time when they're reporting in is how hard it was to get to this point. You can't believe how many times I had to call Mary Beth just to get her to come to the meeting. I don't care about that. I want to know what happened in the meeting. So you're going to have to teach them that over time. You know, and but so give them as little time as you can, and you can expand it as you need it. So discipline them. But uh, give them five minutes. Now, in 25 minutes, you've got a, a pulse of the ministry. If they're honest people, you know what's going on. They're giving you the top notes, and you've got to coach them over time. I don't need to know that. I, you left this out. I, what about that? I need to know that. Now, from now on, guys, when you report here, you, I want that information. Don't leave that stuff out. That's what I want to know. This I don't need to know. Okay, so you're going to get a, an executive summary. Everybody reports in. And the whole team is hearing it. Now, you got, here's Fred down here. What? Why do I have to go to the team meeting? I'm youth. I don't care what they, they, you know, they're doing in children. You know, how come I have to go? Why don't you just meet with me alone so I can manipulate you better? You just heard, yeah, no, we're meeting right here. Why, why are we meeting together here? Just a couple of quick ones. Because we're all learning. When we're reporting it, first of all, you need all, a multitude of counselors, right? You're meeting with one person, you're getting one set of counselors, one. But this is a multitude here, five. And you're getting, when, when somebody offers something, you're asking them, what do you think? How do you feel about that? You feel comfortable with that? Any thoughts? How can we improve on that? They're going to say, that's great. I love that, Jane. But you know what we did? We did this. And I think you could apply it to that. Wow, I like that. That's great. So they're, they're building on each other. They're building on each other. You're going to get to the, you want to get to the point where you are running virtually the whole ministry from one meeting. Now, that's not always a perfect science. 
But, but make that the goal. Come as close to that as you can. And I'll tell you about another meeting too. But think about the frequency here for a minute. If somebody is on your team and then they have a team, now that's two meetings right there. So if they meet every other meet week with you, the odd week they're meeting with their team. Now they're meeting every week. So you're going to have to be sensitive to that as long as they're volunteers. But if you start working this stuff, you're going you're to start being able to pay people to come on staff. And then the torques the learning curve, the, the, the uh, execution curve. Okay, so agenda. Executive summary. Okay, and, oh, and the other thing is, the other reason you're meeting here in the team, not individually, is because not only you're, are you br you're bringing correction in here. You're bringing correction. You say, wait a minute. You, you praise in public and you correct in private. Right? This is private. This is a private team meeting. We're a team. We're, we're God's builders right here. This is a family. A family. We're in partnership. We're in relationship here to build for God. This is a family. We're a, we, this is private. Now, I'm not talking about humiliating somebody. Somebody has a uh, disability of some sort or some, some personal thing or some per situation in their family. Now, we're trying to humiliate people here. But if somebody's late for the meeting, we're going to talk about it right here. If somebody doesn't have their assignment, we're going to talk about it here. And guess what? After a while, they're going to be asking the question, How, hey, I'm getting sick and tired of this. Every time we have a meeting, pastor has to bring up and coach and find out what, you know, why can't we produce? Why can't we, why are we not honoring our commitments? And I'm getting tired of it. I got work to do. I got things I need approval on. And we spend all this time rehashing the same old junk. That's what they're going to say to one another. And that's fair and square and right. Done with respect, obviously. Maybe just a little nicer than I just did. Why are you also doing it here in the meeting? Because you're modeling for them. They're going to have to do it with their team. They're going to have to learn to bring correction to their team. They're going to have to learn how to overcome their timidity that we've had and, and learn how to do it like you're learning how to do it. So you model it right here with the team. So otherwise, you meet with them each individually. You've got five teams, so you just multiply you five individuals. You've multiplied your workload five times. Plus, when you've coached Jane or Fred or anybody here, one at a time, the other four didn't learn one bloody thing. And until they mess up, then they'll learn it. And you're just, this is idiot. This is idiocy. So we have to work here, bring them all together, and we're all learning together. And we're all, so the learning curve takes off. That's how we stay uh, on with the, uh, the, where's the learning thing we did here? Here. This thing, or there's another one. Here, they, this learning. Otherwise, we're just veering off. So the way you accelerate the learning process, well, that's the gap, leadership. Here's the learning. You, the way you accelerate that is right here in the team meeting where, you, where you're coaching everybody at the same time. And they're cross-roughing each other with ideas and with, with uh, things that they're trying to learn. And the team, it's team coaching, team learning, spirit storming. Okay, what's next? What do we do next? After the executive summary, you've taken the pulse. Now, you, in, in 15, 25, 30 minutes, and some questions added on, you've got the pulse of the ministry. You know where we stand, because you've got honest answers. You don't have to scratch and sniff. You've got it right here. You know. You, you know we're healthy or we're not. You know what to direct. Now, the next thing we do is work on these right here. So we have to force the discipline. One, two, three, four, 
five. And there could be four, there could be six. You know, you don't want to get carried away. It could be three, three main things. But these are, the, these are the macro priorities, and here they are. Here they are every time we meet until they're no longer a priority. Can I get an amen? Every time we meet, we work on those five things. That's how you force the discipline. They know. Hey, don't come to the meeting without being prepared to answer, show progress on these five things. We're not in here to just talk about a bunch of stuff. We're in, in here to talk about what matters to God. And it's the, the, he told you, the leader, these are the five things. Now, it, it, this could be for the five for the whole ministry, or when this team is working here, it's these five. And when this team's working here, it's these five. That's what's on the agenda. To make sure that we're, there's no gaps and we're moving forward efficiently and effectively with God. Now, in the process of discussing these, and, and you, you know, you're going to have a two-hour meeting. This took 30 already. Then each of these, this might take uh, 10 or 15 minutes. This one, uh, 10, 5, 5. You have to time it out. Get it in there, but, but no matter what happens, we cover these five things every time we meet. So we're not messing around. We're doing what God asked us to do. That's how you force the discipline. Okay, then what would be next? This is the simple version, okay? You'll perfect it, refine it over time. Next would be issues that came with, come with recommendations. So obviously, they're going to encounter issues as they work toward accomplishing those things. Or there's something that is important to them that's not one of these five, but they need some direction from you. They need some approval from you. But they don't come and ask you, what do you, what do you think I should do about it, Pastor? Here's an issue. How do you feel about it? No, they come with a recommendation. They can present an issue, that's fine. But right behind it, on the heels of it, is the solution. Now, it may not be the perfect solution, but we celebrate that. Why? Because they took initiative. They're, getting, they're learning here. They're learning. I have to think. Then I come with my best solution because I've met with my team, and this is what my team came up with as the best solution for this issue. Now they bring it to the main team or the team above their team, and they're bringing a recommendation. Then what does the leader do? Tell them exactly what to do right here, or does he do one other thing? He turns to the team, and he said, what do you think? How do you feel about that? You, you feel that that recommendation will solve the issue? And then somebody will say, yeah, I think it's great. And then somebody else will say, I don't think so. Uh, what about that part? You do that? Now the guy that just said it was great, he just learned something. He learns how somebody else thinks. And you didn't say a word. You haven't said anything yet. It's team teaching. Okay? Issue recommendation. Then what's the last thing? Well, that could be where you might, that might be the day you're going to coach on honesty. Or that's the day you're going to reiterate something about, and you're going to ask step charge questions. You're going to ask some of those questions. I'm going to take time at the end and ask one of those questions. Because I, I got an unction that we're not learning. I got an unction that, you know, we've talked incessantly about this idea of delegating, but I got a gut check that they're not delegating, they're still doing it all. 
And if that's happening, we've got a gap here. So you're going to ask a depth chart. You're getting an unction from the Holy Spirit. And it's because it's God's ministry. He's going to tell you what's going wrong here. He's going to be trying to tell you about the gaps. So he's going to be trying to tell you about the gaps. And you need to be hearing his still small voice. And then acting on it. Acting on it. Making it a priority. Getting it out on the table. So here's where you can coach by asking depth charge questions or coaching on honesty or whatever it is that needs coaching. But it also may be that as we're discussing point one or point two, you're redirecting, of course, and you're coaching there too. You're offering your wisdom, counsel, after they have, but you're offering your wisdom, counsel, understanding, and you're coaching them right every time there's a coaching need, real-time coaching. Okay, wait, 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 time out here, guys. Let's talk about this. And you coach them right there. You don't blow it off. You don't let it go. Maybe we don't get to point five, but right now we're going to deal with this right here. Every teachable moment. Capitalize on every teachable opportunity. So you build people and grow people as fast as we can so you can leave a succession plan and build a lasting legacy. Coaching in between. But then let's say that this needs, you've redirected this, this needs some direction now. You, you evaluated, you heard a report. Now this is action items over here. So here is the first directive you gave. Here's the next one you gave. But next to this is the person you just directed it to. Who's assigned? Here's Jane. Here's Bob. Here's the next one. This is Phil. And here's the date that they committed to give you the answer. You don't tell them. You don't even tell them that. You don't stop doing that stuff. You say, when can you have this? Now, it may not, you may not agree with that. Well, I can have it for you in about four months. Well, no, we can't wait four months. Help me understand why we need four months to get this done. And then somebody on the team is going to say, that's a joke, Joe. Come on. But you reason together. But you defer to them. When, do you, when can you get this done? So they make a commitment to do it. Now, if you can't accept it, then you say, no, we can't wait that long because this is dependent on, this is dependent on you doing that. So we need to have, okay, so we reason together, but we agree on when this is. Now, when we agree on when it is, and they make a commitment to do it, then they've got to do whatever it takes. And it doesn't matter whether they're a volunteer or whether they're on staff. People ask all the time, well, you know, you, you, don't you just, you treat volunteers differently, right? Different standards. What? Is there different standards here? No, it's the same standard, but only if, we're not into abuse. But we've got to have a commitment from the volunteer. So we even have to try to sell them off. You said you could do Are you sure, Jane, that you can do this? Are you sure you can complete, complete it by that time? Aren't you, aren't you guys homeschooling your kids this semester? Uh, are you sure you can do that? Didn't mom move in, dad passed, and mom moved in and needs full-time care? Are you sure you can do this? Yes, Pastor. I can. You try to sell them off the commitment because you're eliminating the excuses. Stop trying to pretend, I've got to get them to commit to it. That doesn't work. You, you found that out, right? It doesn't work. Just frustrating and inefficient. And so we, but these are serious. And the blank up here at the top of the agenda is simply that before the meeting, you've got to make sure we did what we agreed to last time. 
So it's like old business, and then we got new business. And you'll set up systems where you don't have to go through the whole litany of stuff. You just look at the ones that didn't get done, and you already have an answer. Somebody gets a report and tells you, and it, if, it do, if it's reasonable, then you just keep moving. They're going to have it the next time we meet because of such and such, which is understandable. Things happen, but not excuses, just things unexpected, and we learn from it. Okay, how can we avoid that in the future? That's when you ask the postmortem questions. What was supposed to happen? What actually happened? What accounts for the difference? Okay, so what did we learn, and what will we do differently next time so that it doesn't happen like that? That's what, why I did that thing with American Education Publishing with you. Okay, what's this? Minutes. Minutes of the meeting. We have to stop here. But minutes, what's this? Minutes of the meeting. This is the least important right now. But over time, your executive meetings here are good to capture and put in a binder. And your attorneys will be happy for that too. We made decisions based, you know, we made big decisions based on uh, you know, uh, here's the minutes. We cap, but it's most important so that if you're meeting infrequently to remember what we talked about, and not in every word, but in essence. But this is the least important, and, and the reason I say that is you might not have somebody who can, you can afford to have sit in this meeting and take minutes. And I don't want you to have somebody who's supposed to be in here thinking and building taking minutes. And then the excuse is, oh, I wasn't listening, I was trying to figure out how to spell that word. Okay, so that's least important, but this is critical and this is critical. This is how you drive and build the ministry. We're going to talk about two covenants, and these covenants will change your life.